Genre. everyone and welcome to the protagonist podcast where each week we look at a great character in a great story except when we don't i'm joe dorowski and this week we're playing a game called elevator pitches and joining us for the game is returning guest Kevin helps welcome Kevin. hello i'm very excited so glad to have you and as with all of these games producer andrew is going to help moderate the discussion and award points so we know who wins the very important title of best elevator pitcher so uh <laughs> And who leaves as best elevator belly itcher? There it is. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that these discussions have typically required a lot of moderation. It's not like you guys are going for each other's throats. Uh, I, I meant more as in like you guide it because it's like, okay, we're done with that one. No, no. <laughs> okay, but what about that huge 10-minute rager of a fight Joe and I had right before you hit the record button? I mean, I'm, I'm well, really glad no evidence. there's no evidence of that but, because yeah. I said some things that, you know. Yeah, it's too bad. It would... It would be a good Patreon reward, though. Mm, yes, yes. Here, here the, the host and guest fight. <laughs> <laughs> With the elevator pitch game, what we are doing is Kevin and I will be pitching show concepts to the protagonist television network. Andrew is going to green light one of the two options that we give. The protagonist television network is looking for a law or police procedural show, a sitcom, a reality show, a medical drama a sci-fi show and a wild card show where we could pitch anything that we want. Um, we, we had to blend at least two genres uh, and maybe two or more works in all of these shows. We are going to be adapting a classic public domain piece of literature so that we could actually do this in the strange world where we have a network uh, into this new genre of storytelling. And uh, after Andrew greenlights it, this is a wrinkle that we've added because we've played some elevator pitch games before. But Andrew is going to give a producer note, and we are going to have to workshop in that producer note from the network uh, into our pitch before we can get the full green light. So one of our options will be selected, and then we will do a brief workshop period uh, just for some fun. So Andrew, as the head of the Protagonist Television Network, you get to choose... I would say which which one of these we're going to start with, which genre of show we're going to begin with. Well, I was going to say, um, shouldn't we do like a typical I I'm, I'm going to make some sort of selection between the two of you. Whoever is going first can like choose the 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 genre. Let's do that. They, you know, they keep it uh, classic, you know, for the longtime listeners mm-hmm. who, who know that rhythm. <laughs> so uh, a new method for determining I have already position you guys can't see this because we're in separate locations i've positioned a hot wheels car either facing towards me or away from me now joe you are going to tell me whether it is facing towards or away from me right. i've known you and if you are correct then you will be going first i've known you your entire life so i can say with complete confidence that that hot wheel car is facing towards you it is facing towards me i don't want to get into how i knew that but i did Okay. Foul play. <laughs> so that means that Joe gets to choose the, uh, or or should we do it that you choose the genre and then you have to go second? Or do you want to choose the genre and go first? Just, Is that too much power? No, nah, I'd say let's, let's <laughs> do the genre go first because I don't think it's going to really affect the outcome. <laughs> Whoever reads first. Um, How right. dare you? <laughs> Let us go with, uh, we're just going to start at the top. The law or police procedural. 
procedural show. Uh, for each of these, I've prepared a title for the show and then a brief description. Oh, I didn't do titles, but I'll knock some out. Yeah, quick. yeah. You know, you, you make those up on the fly and no one will know except you told them now. OK, this Dang this it. show is called LDPD. Detective Dante is a new homicide detective working in the sprawling metropolis of LD, La Divina. Captain Virgil assigns Dante, his partner, Detective Beatrice, to solve crimes where the, wherever the bodies are, whether it's the wealthy side of town called Paradise or the slums called Inferno. Sometimes he gets insights into troublesome cases from Bernard, the owner of his favorite hole-in-the-wall restaurant, Purgatorio. So that is my pitch for turning the Divine Comedy into a weekly uh, homicide TV show. Okay. So now I do mine, right? And then yeah, we yeah, do notes. Yeah, now, okay. Yeah, now Kevin. A bitter, hard-boiled detective who's too burned out and jaded for the world he lives in is given one final job before retirement. Find the owner of a woman's shoe left at the prince's palace. He doesn't have details, so he interrogates, bribes, and tortures his way through a small villa until he finds the infamous Girl of Cinder. That was the title. Girl of Cinder. Girl of Cinder. Okay. I know which one I'd choose. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, Kevin, can you let us know which work you were adapting into a, a crime procedural? <laughs> that, of course, was Cinderella. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, <laughs> now, I have the real hard part because I'm supposed to come up with like a producer's note for all of this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I would say in the spirit of, uh, of just having fun. The producer note does not have to make sense. It just needs to be that the producer wanted I something added in. You should pre-choose your producer notes before you hear a pitch is be like, oh, this one has to have a part for, you know, former yeah, President something. Donald Trump or something like that. <laughs> All right. I might I might try that. Um, that's probably going to be the best. But then I'm going to have to come up with several producer notes on the fly. Um I'm going to go with with uh, Joe's. Yes. For on the board. for the divine comedy. You're walking but away I from do, money, man. Real quick. I need you to go ahead and we're going to have a needle drop at the end of each episode. So I need you to hit me with the first five of those so we can start clearing the rights for them. Wait, what? What was that? I need that I need a... five, five needle drops. The music that you're going to play to close out the. episode. Oh, OK. I was. OK, so. So are you not familiar with the production term needle drop? Uh, I, I I was hearing a record scratch in my head when you said you need a needle <laughs> No, 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 no. So, so popular music, maybe people recognize it, maybe people don't, but it should be popular music to end each of your first five okay, episodes. So we're going to be looking. And we're going to start clearing the rights for right. this. So we're going to be looking for like the... Uh, the, the pop song that suddenly has it, like listeners know, but because of the theme of the particular episode suddenly has a different meaning, uh, you know, uh, could be could be something like that. I mean, you have five options to go with. And and Kevin, you're yeah, now collaborating because yeah. yeah, you didn't no, make I'm the sure, cut. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're in now. Now, a, a prime example, uh, Joseph, you're familiar with Scrubs. I am. They played Hallelujah at the end of one of the episodes. Classic example of and, a needle and then drop. the needle drop for every single show looking for a somber the next decade. <laughs> Yes. So I think Taylor Swift's Shake It Off is a natural choice. But, you know, to state the obvious. Yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously where I mean, you are going to have to hit me with like a little taste of the montages that are going to go with these. By the way, so with Shake It Off, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it would be. And we have to shake off 
the the hellish feelings that swarm yeah, us and drown like, us. Like the, the, they're too beat down. It was a bad case. They're, they're carrying the emo- but they're taking work with them now, and they need to shake off work so that they can still live a life. Because uh, because if if the cops take their homicide work with them everywhere, they they end up with no life at all. In fact, I know the exec that was asking for that note, and I think he'd really appreciate it if we did it uh, as the music is diegetic. So the characters go to a club and dance to Shake It Off. And, and you see them, uh, you know, they're going in and just everything from, you know, the, the dead eyes, uh, slumped shoulders, uh, everything about their aspect is just, uh, you know, the work is killing me, all right? I, I'm losing my soul to this work. And yeah. as as they dance, you know, they they become brighter. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe their clothes turn neon and luminescent. (laughs) Yes, because. Okay. No, no further explanation needed. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, we haven't really established uh, with where we're at uh, in the title of the show. We could head into like uh, just a little bit of supernatural here and there. Just, just without explanation. Just, just, just happening. Yeah. Or that yeah. thing where like graphics appear on the screen, like colored lines shooting across, you know, just go full 80s on this. Mm. Thing. OK, so would that be the end of episode one then? You know, they've had a tough case no, and, I, and this is how they decompress. Or do you want to save I, that? I think we save that for like three episodes in, you know, as you you finally get to okay. know these characters and you're realizing, oh, this this case really actually uh, it was it was too much. OK, Taylor Swift, shake it off. You got four more <laughs> needle drops to to pitch. All right. Um well or or you're just telling me what they are right you've got the green light Mm -hmm. you're just telling me what they are okay i want us to pull in a uh let's go with um uh oh i was trying to name a classical piece and it just flew out (laughs) so now i'm gonna have to re i got you back here joe so at the end of the pilot obviously uh we meet a the the satan character (laughs) obviously and uh, we get to play Taylor Swift's You Belong With Me. <laughs> so as the romance between our hero and Satan starts budding. <laughs> now, in in this world, we've been given a green light with quite the budget. <laughs> if we're going with two <laughs> Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> like, like, this isn't just green light. Uh, let's see what you have. This is green light. <laughs> we are sticking our network on this. <laughs> So wait, we're not just putting my Spotify playlist on shuffle. Uh, um, I well, I I just uh, was I just put in pop from 1999. Just, the, just trying to think my senior year of high school uh, to, to see what we could really hit the nostalgia for. Uh, you know, our our uh, you know right around the 40 year old. I mean, and I'm just going to point out, it doesn't have to be like pop, pop music. You can use rock and roll. You can use bluegrass. You can, I mean, you, you've got variety available to you. I was kind of excited when you said, when you said uh, classical music, but I mean, not to direct you. No, well, I, classical music would be cheaper. So if we've blown the budget on two Taylor Swift songs, we may need to go uh, with, uh, with some, some free classical as far as the rights are concerned. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When, when Kevin said, it's like, I got you the devil's here. And I was like, Oh, Carmina Burana. Is that what we're going with or, or what? A or is that Wagner. too on the nose? A little Wagner comes through all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, just a different flavor. Cause I have this list of the most popular songs from 1999. Okay, so we're going to go for, for a number three now. Yeah, right. Um, can we work in a uh, smash mouth's all-star? <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I'm going to need you to clarify for me slightly. My my Divine Comedy is slightly rusty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what does that correspond with? I think the Inferno side of things. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty clearly. Is that... We're... <laughs> We're getting we're getting a glimpse of uh, some of the devils at their work, and they're just really thrilled to be doing it. Yeah, or uh, someone who like you know in that context that could that could still be diegetic, or also like that one of their diegetic one. That's what they play to get pumped up. Yeah, it could be someone whose whose main sin was was pride, and and they're telling themselves, "You're an all star. I'm an all star." <laughs> <laughs> that that fits. That it brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, actually. Is like is their punishment like being forced to sing it as they're coming to grips with their sins? I mean, is that a punishment or they're just or crying it out? <laughs> <laughs> Again, we haven't established how supernatural we're going with this. So if we're if we're full, <laughs> these are detectives working in hell. <laughs> then maybe, <laughs> but if this is still a city metaphor for for the slum side of town being hell's kitchen. <laughs> There may be not quite that on the nose. Well, here's the thing: we need it. We need a good transition point where we take them from this this grounded, gritty, urban sprawl to hell. And so, I think for episode four, we talked about this earlier, Joe, when we were plotting the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when they are thrust down into hell forever, uh, and then the angel who passed judgment on them sings Taylor Swift's "We Are Never Ever Ever Getting Back Together." <laughs> and and for episode five uh network exec we're looking at the beatles that's where we're gonna be going just to to keep this cheap (laughs) um we're gonna you know what for some reason we're just we're leaning hard into the supernatural side of things so we're gonna have a character actually get like expelled uh from the earth um and and they're going to be floating out in space uh, and, and I think what, what what's the best Beatles song to kind of feel someone like literally drifting away? Um, ooh, maybe Octopus Garden. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, it's not Taylor Swift, so I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I I think those are some a good response to the notes that. That you had from from the I'd producer. like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. Yes. Yeah, I think that works. That's the opening line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was uh, the law or police procedural choice ends up being LDPD for, uh, let's say, La Divina Police Department. So now, Kevin, you get to make the first pitch for our next genre of yeah. TV show. So I'd like us to just go in order here. Uh, Let's do the sitcom next. Okay. Hermia and Helena are a couple 20-something best friends and also roommates just trying to make it in the big city where Hermia is a waitress and Helena is an unsuccessful actress. To their delight, the handsome Lysander and Demetrius move in across the hall and romantic shenanigans ensue. And, uh uh-oh, who's this? Their drug dealer friend Puck? What crazy shenanigans can these five get up to? Tune in weekly to find out. Do you have a title for this uh, sitcom? In this, the dreamy middle of the sun 
it's okay because i'm gonna have to have you help workshop uh my my, my show title uh, uh for, for the sitcom which i at this point i have more concept rather than full paragraph pitch ready to go for my sitcom so, uh, okay so so we've done midsummer night's dream sitcom version i am going to pitch a, a tonal blend of mash and arrested development that's what i want you to be imagining Ooh. for a sitcom here Ooh. you have my attention it is going to be based around the iliad the muses will be the arrested development style narrator achilles is going to be the stoic hemingway-esque soldier like just the man's man uh agamemnon is gonna be kind of a michael scott uh, affable boss trying to please everyone but pleasing no one sort of figure prince is the pretty mm-hmm. pretty boy uh helen is the it girl um and it is just a never-ending war but in ancient greece sitcom style and again i, I don't have the full write-up it's more just this these are the ideas that i, I want to throw against the wall here and I don't have a title for it. So if you want to help me workshop the title, I tried to turn the Iliad into a sitcom title and I, I really struggled because I don't know what Iliad means other than the Iliad. <laughs> the ill e ad about an advertising company that does Facebook ads <clears throat> about sickness. <laughs> I think you found the root there. Cracked, cracked the code. Um, oh, it's not going to matter. Kevin, I want to hear more of yours but um we've got hugh jackman for three episodes can can you center some sort of arc around him oh my goodness i'm so glad you said that so but it's only three episodes so he needs to be in and out we've got this brief jealousy arc where the oberon the uh angry boss of uh helena nope she's an unsuccessful actress the angry boss of hermia the waitress uh comes on in and he actually conspires to turn Demetrius into an ass. And I'll let you decide if you need to bleep that, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> and I think so, that holds uh, within the, the Shakespearean allowance there. Yeah, all right. Um, and so, yeah, that, that leads to some pretty crazy stuff when, of course, Puck is just distributing love drugs all over the place. And it, it just leads to this weird entanglement. Finally, Oberon resolves it by leaving after three episodes (laughs) so so it's just things get a little too out of control and oberon comes in to to kind of pull it back down uh but we're still gonna have wild sitcom hijinks coming it's just that that maybe we went a little too far with that yeah and and you know as he's leaving the characters really come to an understanding where they say love isn't about butterflies and it's not about flowers and chocolate our love is the slamming screen door sneaking out back throwing rocks at your wind shoot darn it they're they're taylor swift lyrics but i forgot them i was gonna be (laughs) you were gonna be on brand saturday night something about a dance i'm not gonna be able to help you anyway i'm enjoying my last time ever on your podcast (laughs) i was just i was gonna ask can oberon uh for whatever reason we want break into song since we have hugh jackman coming Oh yeah, I mean, if he doesn't, then we're not we're not really using Jackman to his full potential. I mean, we, we we've got it. Yeah, and, so. and we do have a world with magical potions making people do weird things, you know, such as falling in love or or turning into animals. So I think we could have a magical potion that turns someone into, uh, you know, just just everything they say they sing. Okay. Yeah, musical episode. It's a classic trope. Okay, honestly, that like worked out really, really well. 
to have like, okay, we've got one person who's here for a short arc, like Oberon, get him in there. <laughs> so that was really convenient. All right. What's, what's the next one? Uh, Joe, you're up. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to keep us going in order and I'm going to pitch a reality show. It is a reality show that I've cleverly titled Plato's cave. The way this competition works is that we're going to begin with uh, three different teams and one member of the team is going to be placed down at where they can't see what's going on behind them. And the other members of the team are going to be given a random array of items in which they must use uh, those to present a specific story that they've been given by the judges. And uh, the last team to get their person to correctly identify their story, which they only see through shadow play on a wall in front of them. So, And from episode to episode, the objects that they're given is going to change by theme. So in one episode, it might be like, here's a whole bunch of random things you might find in a car repair shop. Uh, and they've got to use those objects to play and make a shadow play that might be something like making dinner. Uh, and so they, they use these objects, project shadows, and they've got to get the person who's down on the floor to say the words making dinner. Uh, and, and one team gets eliminated each round uh, until you have a winner who wins $10,000, which is, I believe, the standard for all reality TV shows of this style. That unironically would be a good party game. <laughs> I'd play that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, uh, right. Sorry. So now it's my turn. Sorry. Yeah. yeah yes. as, as, as enamored as you are of it. All right. Well, as good as that idea was, Joe, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to blow it out of the water with this battleship. Three bears are brought in to compete to see which one can win Goldilocks approval. Competitions range from furniture making to cooking, and Goldilocks gets to decide which one will get to colonize a habitable planet with her twist the bear eats her on the voyage to the planet <laughs> in this shocking new series for fox just right so is this a one season situation like joe one millionaire season. where they tried it for one season and they could never run it back one season in this case two episodes because the bear ate <laughs> the judge exactly exactly right okay um I feel like there's a real limited run on Kevin's. <laughs> so um, it's it's going to be Joe's. Ah! Um, now, Joe, uh, I need you to workshop this a little bit yeah. because this is going to be uh, on HBO. So I'm going to need some <laughs> gratuitous nudity. Well, uh, you know what? These these silhouettes can, can be very scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think you can work that in naturally to this? Um, I, I guess it's going to depend on, on what prompts we're going to be giving, uh, you know, the teams. I mean, yeah. Now, now, since it is HBO, you do have some leeway with these prompts. You can you can be a little more uh, extreme uh, with these things. Yeah, so we could say uh, like beheadings could be one of the prompts and they've got to find a way mm -hmm. to to shadow play <laughs> beheadings onto a wall. There we go. Right. We have. Uh, a little more flexibility with that. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. That's what the fans want. Okay. Um, and I will just say, uh, knowing that my children often listen to this podcast, there are other opportunities on HBO to to fit your parameters. Okay. Uh, Kevin, you get to pick the next uh, All right. category. All right. Let's head on to medical drama. 
Things heat up at Hamlin's local general practice hospital when a number of patients are brought in suffering from rat bites. The hospital's at risk of being tanked by a wave of scurvy or hantavirus or whatever, whatever rats do. When in comes the crack doctor, Peter, who is a very skilled doctor and not a dealer of crack or any other drugs. Well, some drugs. Anyway, Peter heals the patients with the power of music. But when it's determined they don't have insurance, he instead leads all the doctors and nurses away from the hospital by holding a boombox over his head or something. I'm not really old enough to get that reference. (laughs) In this medical drama, Hamlin's local general practice hospital. Okay. Got, I got it. I wasn't sure where it was going. And then I, then I got it. Well, I wasn't sure where I was going. Then I got it. Then I still wasn't sure where it landed <laughs> in the end. That, that was How my dirty. dare you? <laughs> One thing I am realizing is that no matter whose pitch gets picked, we need Kevin to be the voiceover narrator of the advertising for these commercials. Mm. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, I've, I'm oh, yeah. already, I I'm mean, already that's changing in. emails. Yeah. All right. Oh, my medical drama. It is called Bob Cratchit, MD. Bob Cratchit works at a hospital that is run by Scrooge. Scrooge refuses service to anyone who cannot pay. And Bob Cratchit tries to find ways to work the system to heal his patients in as cheap a way as possible, but still fulfill (laughs) the uh, medical needs that they have in order to help him to be able with his diagnosis, to do his diagnoses without running expensive diagnostics. When he has a tough case, he has access to, a, uh, a a special aid that allows him to either see the person's past so that he could see how they fell ill. It could see uh, a, a more extreme close-up view of the present to help him diagnose, or he could see the future <laughs> to say, see, or he could how, see the present, how, uh, how the disease is going to progress, which would help him to be able to make his diagnosis without having to run expensive diagnostics for th- that, that Scrooge always refuses. Cause I'm a ghost. Yeah. Nice. The end. That's Bob Cratchit, MD. Mine was based on the Pied Piper, by the way, in case that wasn't abundantly clear. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Dang, Bob Cratchit MD sounds really pretty dope. Uh, like, so I'm I'm giving it to Bob Cratchit MD. Like, that really spoke oh, no. to me. Oh, no. We're in uh, trouble. But here's the tricky thing. The note that's already been associated with, one, with this one, you're going to have to expand the cast a little bit because I need at least four siblings. <laughs> In this, people love the family dynamic. Well, I I think what we what we naturally do is um we make this a split work and home show, and we see the Bob Cratchit's home life more more frequently. Talk to me more about how that's going to integrate into the the like the show that we're watching. Yeah, you know, right? no, I, like, I could do that. How is that going to entertain people? Because I'm pretty hooked on the hospital stuff and, and past, present, future, and like the investigative, uh, it's very house. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But if house went home frequently and spent about 50% of the episode with mm-hmm. family members. Yeah. No, I, I could do that, but my co-writer Kevin is really the one who's, who's carrying that side of things. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, baby. I'm glad you brought it up. So picture this. All right. Tiny Tim troubled youth hates the family business doesn't want to be a doctor hates that his dad relies on ghosts to look through the temporal vortex tiny tim doesn't want to be 
a Cratchit. And he has three siblings. (laughs) (laughs) Whose name's escaping. (laughs) At this time and at all times, whose name's escaping. (laughs) Um, One of them's Peter. (laughs) Um... I need you guys to flesh out the other three siblings. I'm sorry. I'm, well, and, uh, I'm feet to the fire. <laughs> well, I, I'd say Shauna, of course. And and she wants who, to follow in the footsteps. She wants to be a doctor. Yeah. But she's the old, oldest daughter. But she's having like she's she's in training. No, she's having trouble at medical school. But uh, th- then the other sister is actually a natural. Like like she has uh, like just by osmosis, like taking in all the medical knowledge that Bob Cratchit has. But she doesn't care. That's not her calling in life. She yeah. she uh, she feels compelled uh, to be not a chef but a sous chef. She doesn't even want to be the head chef anyway. <laughs> <laughs> not even. Not and even the, the top. that heartbreaking scene we wrote, Joe, where where Bob comes home. It's not even a real chef, <laughs> Father. You've never understood me. And then that famous line say it with me you're, you're not, not a friend friend <laughs> what <laughs> all right we got one more one that more cratchit kid you can see the other person wait are we still dad one to print cratchit kid yeah it. you've only oh, kept peter you got tiny tim Joe and, and I will actually spell chef. this child's name one letter at a time, alternating. <laughs> so this child is named K R I L M Krilm. Krilm. Yes, that was Krilm. it. That was the end. Krilm. Yeah, Krilm. Uh, Krilm. 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 We Krilm. wanted the alliteration yeah. because yeah. this is a character that, in an unexpected twist in like season four, when we're looking for a ratings boost, uh, is going to become a superhero. And so you got to have it a little alliterative name. Uh, something with the temporal vortex is going to go wrong. Uh, they're going to develop uh, some time based powers, but not like just seeing through time, but like really manipulating time in ways that uh, are going to disrupt uh, the, the entire chronoverse. It's totally lit. We got really bored of writing the hospital drama, so we just took a right turn. <laughs> but but that, again, that's, that's in our notes for season four. That's that's a ways out. Yeah. Okay. Um. And so so just one last thing, like, give me the ages of these siblings so that I can get a sense of of how they relate to each other. Uh, weirdly, quadruplets, all age fourteen. <laughs> that was pretty common in England. <laughs> the the okay. There you go. Uh, simple, simple enough. All right. Uh, Bob Cratchit, MD mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and his amazing family. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next <laughs> genre. The, uh, who's pitching first? Is it me or Kevin? I've lost track. It, it's okay. you. It's I'm going to just keep going in order. We're going to do our sci-fi show. Mine is called The Conqueror. Uh, Earth has been invaded. An alien named Crombus has discovered Earth and claimed it for the Spabelland Empire. And uh, because of Krombus's encroachment on Earth and subsequent uh, war and subjugation and also disease, uh, the, the population of Earth is going to be decimated. Uh, however, uh, in the long arc of the series, Krombus, who believes they should be a conquering hero for the Spabelland Empire, is going to be uh, overthrown and become very whiny that he is not getting the glory that he deserves because of his his discovery as um, because he's not actually 
uh, a native Spavelland. He's he's from another uh, another planet, uh, and they put it native Spavellanders in charge instead of Krombus, and he feels like this is a great slight, and that he is being denied the glory that is his because of his great discovery of the planet Earth, and uh, then eventually, uh, long long term, uh, uh, he he's just going to to it's the tragedy of him as, as he dies destitute, but also we kind of want to see that happen to him because he is responsible for the death of 90% of the, uh, of the inhabitants of earth. And this is um, based on the letters of Christopher Columbus back to Spain because he gets really mighty. <laughs> <laughs> At first he's also, I was like trying really hard to think. I'm like, what is this? Who, who is this? this? Is, like, what is this? This about? is the, the narrative arc of Christopher Columbus because at first he's like so proud of himself and sending all these letters back. And when you get to his last letters, he's like, oh, you know, you really owe me. I did a lot. I've been put in jail here by the people that you sent in place of me. And uh, so, yeah, this is uh, based on Christopher Columbus's personal letters. Huh. All right. I'd watch that. Anyway, here's mine. The crew of the Icarus is devastated to learn that the name of their ship is the Icarus, which is a really bad name for a ship and quite cliche. We follow them on their thrilling adventure through Terran Empire space as they cut through red tape unsuccessfully, trying to get the ship's name changed to Oedipus. Ironically, the Icarus is scrapped after it crashes into the moon. In this science fiction adventure, Heracles. So, so which specific text? Well, yeah, I was, like, I was like, wait a second, I've got a couple things going. Which on is there. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. This is based on every sci-fi trope. <laughs> well, no, just actually the one. Okay. Of a ship being named the Icarus. That's all. And, and then loose connections to some other mythologies. Right. Yeah. The, my instructions did say loose. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A looser to the which better. I adhered doggedly. <laughs> you, you held very tight <laughs> to the instructions to treat these loose. <laughs> to, to loose. Um, okay. Now, for, for the Icarus, I think there's a lot of potential for telling a lot of different stories. So I like that. I think that's a multi-season potential. Um, we can we can do kind of one-off episodes. That's really beneficial. So we're going to go with that choice. But I need you to manage something for me. The budget's tight, so you're only going to have three sets. <laughs> you know, I, I can tell you why the budget's tight, Kevin. <laughs> it's because of our needle drops <laughs> way back in, in LDPD. Okay, but you promised me, you promised me Taylor Swift would appear for a two-episode arc. <laughs> That's the only reason I wrote any of this. So okay. um, so I need you to describe in detail what are the three sets that you're going to use. You can redress them a little bit, yeah. but you've got some limitations. There's only three physical spaces that you're going to have to work with. No, I'm glad you brought this up, actually, because uh, Joe and I have been talking about the budget quite a bit, and I think we found a solution to the set thing that that's going to work really well. Uh, we're not going to do the Bridge of the Icarus like you would expect, but actually oh. we're just going to do the Captain's Quarters, and we're going to film that in the set bathroom. So it, we're just going to throw a desk in there. He can sit on the toilet. That's fine. <laughs> um, and it'll look just like an office. We throw up like a picture of the stars maybe on there. Maybe like a thing that says something. You know, Latin, you know what? Like, actually, to save budget, we actually get a 1990s uh, computer and just run the screensaver uh, on, on the monitor back it. there. Through, yeah, as, as the window. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that would really do it. 
Okay, so um, so you've got a little more flexibility with your other two. You can you can be a little more expansive with them. Yeah, well, Joe had an idea for a set that really brought me to tears. Uh, Joe, you, you explained it better than I could. Yeah, you know, we, we don't want to do the cliche sets that everyone expects. That's one reason why we said no, right. no bridge, because mm-hmm. that's just been no. done to death. And no bridge, no mess hall. Uh, yes. No, 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 no hangar oh. or docking <laughs> oh, bay. You, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, we, so so what I are you going to bring me? I am going to bring you. Actually, um, it it is not the um the room where they're trying to grow their plant life, but it's the shed where they keep the tools to try and grow plant life in outer space. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, because because imagine the budget if you actually had to show like rows of plants and and uh, like waterbeds filled with algae that's trying to produce your your oxygen. You know, that's just too much. But 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 we can get rakes and hose for cheap. Absolutely. Yeah, and hoses, a lot of hoses, uh, different colored hoses that imply that there's different materials going through them, even though who knows, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So, And we took the location scout to the tool shed in my backyard, so it's already set. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you guys have saved so much with those two. I think we're going to be able to to construct something with an outdoor feeling. Um, so it, it doesn't have to, you don't, yeah, you can get off of the ship for this last yeah, one. Cause it, cause in what a space a adventure, you, that's what you're looking for yeah. is mostly exterior shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we, we, we talked about this one too. And our, our third set, you're going to love this. We're just going to film it in an open field and we're going to say it's the mind of the bureaucracy. It's going to be so deep. All right. It's going to be very we'll just throw Kafka-esque. A, that's really what we, we yeah. you know, that's what is really hot right now with the kids these days is is we'll put that filter on it where all the colors are put into their negative values and everyone's head gets bigger Mm -hmm. and people will not know what's going on but they'll feel really stupid if they don't if they don't pretend to know what's going on Uh so okay i think you know that has a lot of potential there's a lot of flexibility there you can you can have a lot of different scenes there and say that it's happening you know metaphysically Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. and then and then we don't have to worry about chairs Right. I think we could probably film, you know, multiple scenes in a row, really keep the actors on their feet. Yeah, because one thing that is really hard with outer space shows and where a lot of the budget goes actually is in the chairs, because if you start to think Mm -hmm. about it, what is a chair supposed to look like in space? And no one knows, except they know it's not what I'm sitting in all the time. So you actually have to. Yeah, it doesn't look like like what you've (laughs) actually got. You have to make different chairs and we want to avoid that issue. That's why you're never actually going to see what the captain's sitting on because it's a bathroom. Gross. Uh, The shed is certainly not going to have any seating space. And then this uh, metaphysical exterior slash interior set, uh, you know, because it's both what's beyond our comprehension, but also inside of our minds is what that final set's going to be bringing us. And no one has a chair inside mm-hmm. of their mind. Um, now <laughs> it's reminding me that invisible chair for, for the bathroom set being the, the captain's quarters. Great choice. Um, now you called that the captain's quarters, but you really described an office. It like, is there going to be evidence that this is where he spends his time is there going to be recreational material is there going to be lounging we're going to imply a george costanza desk situation that he keeps a pillow under his desk and has built a little sleeping nook under there 
Oh. I'm going to show it because that's obtuse. Yeah, right? well, and also we'd have to get the, the we'd have to get the camera around to the other side, and and I, I don't think yeah, it's an but, option. But you can <laughs> indicate it by by having him throw a pillow underneath the desk quickly as someone enters the room or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and you know when we showed it to the test audience, they said it was really weird how he said, "I'm going to take a nap and then just crawled under his desk." But we <laughs> like it like that. All right, if you don't get it, you don't get. We want it. the discussion mm-hmm. boards to be debating what that means. What does it mean exactly. to take a nap? We don't know, and we're not going to tell them, but they can talk about it for a long time on the internet. I've seen it. There's lots of stuff that gets talked about more than it needs to on the internet. Okay. Uh, I I think it sounds good. I think you're going to be able to manifest a lot of classic Greek mythology allegory mm. into these three sets. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I even need to explain it to you. That's how clear the it is. The scripts write themselves. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, Kevin, you've got the, the next one. How many more do we this have? This is our last round. Last one. This Oh, this is card. it. I, I wrote extra. Um, I wrote extra notes. Oh, you give us all the notes at the end of this one. <laughs> just, okay. just really hit us. This round specifically was called wild card. Any two genres or more we want to mash together plus two or more works. So. <laughs> um, I think that's going to be perfect because because this producer wants to get his notes out. Oh, producers really want their vision to be captured. Whether or not it seems relevant to the actual work. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's producers who have notes. Well, actually, I know for a fact there's producers who have notes that they do not care what it gets adapted into. <laughs> there's the famous story of the uh, mechanical spider that ends up in mm-hmm. uh, Wild Wild West that was trying to be forced. Intended for Superman? For, for yeah, a co- uh, the, the Tim Burton's Nicolas Cage Superman project, I think. Or was it a different one after mm-hmm. that? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, I think it was supposed to be part of that one. And if I remember correctly, the producer who had that particular pitch was a hairdresser at some yes, point and became a producer. Yeah. Somehow had some rights for Superman. Yeah. Anyway, we've gone far afield. We need to hear. <laughs> That's wild, a real story. Everybody, you should look it up. All right. So, producer, I just got one question for you. Do you want billions of dollars? Because I am sitting on the next cinematic universe marvel who people are gonna say when they see our mashup of the scarlet pimpernel and rumpelstiltskin in a cerebral thriller children's educational show that's everything i wrote (laughs) (laughs) so not a lot of clarity about how it blends Cerebral thriller Correct. education show. Children's education show. Sesame Street is huge. You hear me? Got it. Scarlet Stiltskin. Whoa. Or Rumple Pimpernel. Which Did one? Did you get chills? I, I, is it Scarlet Stiltskin or Rumple Rumple Pimpernel? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe, uh, wild card. All right. Uh, my show is titled The Tragedy of Cthulhu and Juliet. <laughs> for generations, the Capulets have been responsible for holding the elder gods at bay. During the first time that Juliet is of age and allowed to participate in the mystic ceremony to maintain the barrier between their realms, she sees a glimpse of Cthulhu and is instantly smitten. The feeling is mutual, and soon Juliet is working with Friar Lawrence to communicate with Cthulhu from her side of the barrier, while Cthulhu uses his best friend, the ne'er-do-well Mercutio, to find a way to sneak through the barrier between their two worlds, throwing another wrinkle into the mix. The Montagues have been trying to rise in power and become key figures in holding the Elder Gods at bay, and young Romeo is wondering what Juliet is up to. 
All right. Now, I just want to make clear in my mind, this was like a CW version and Cthulhu like just barely has like tentacle hair. Other than that, he is a stunning yeah. human. <laughs> Super hot. <laughs> Brooding eyes. You know, jawline cut from stone, uh, but but like vague tentacle hair. It's funny I mean, that you mentioned some of those uh, characteristics because I had a note ready to go. And I think you've actually already tapped this note like for me. This is this is a match made. Um, because I wanted the next wave of popular uh, redefinition of monsters, mm. right? We've had werewolves. We've had vampires. We've had zombies. I think the Cthulhu is going to scratch that well, itch. Or is Rumpelstiltskin going to? Because you haven't greenlit one of these yet. <laughs> I, I I think I think the Cthulhu is... The tragedy of Cthulhu and Juliet? Mm-hmm. It's well, perfect that's before we told you. That we had already started talks with Taylor Lautner to play Cthulhu. <laughs> um, so 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 that was note number one, and that's a check, big big check right off the bat with Cthulhu. I think the Cthulhu mythos is the new zombie, the new vampire, the new werewolf. Yeah, kind um, of a sea monster thing. I'm into it. Now, um, we've got two more notes for you. I need you to describe for me. Uh, how you're going to make the third episode, because we, we really want some attention by that third episode. I need you to make it very artistic, synergistic with the whole network. We're all doing silent episodes that <laughs> month. And so I need your third episode to be silent. I I applaud you for that idea, sir. That's going to be a popular week on the on the network. Yeah, you know, silent week. That's that's a very... It's it's you're saying I mean, you're saying nothing, but we want all of America to say together is the TV on. <laughs> I think the way that we pull this off and Kevin, you, you're welcome to, to, to tweak any of this. But uh, yeah, no, we talked uh, about this. Yeah, I remember. The, the, we're seeing uh, the first episode that is fully from the Elder Gods side. And the implication <laughs> is the sounds are so horrifying. They can't be heard by human ears. What What is happening in their dimension? Uh, and so it. You can tell that Cthulhu and Mercutio are, are yucking it up, but we just can't even process it. Well, and as a bonus for that episode, we have a whole bunch of jump scares that the viewer just never sees because they happen like way in the background. You don't hear anything, just people popping out of the scenery. And it's sort of for the, the attentive viewer might get a little startled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think, yeah, and this is this is music free too. This is a hundred percent silent. Yeah, and this is where I think we we show like the real Lovecraftian version of the Elder Gods are around. It just happens to be for whatever reason our Cthulhu isn't one of them. Our Cthulhu is a stunningly mm-hmm. attractive, yeah. you know, conventionally, uh, you know, uh, beautiful human with, with vague and- tentacle hair. You know, I talked it over with legal and uh, because we're doing silent week, they actually managed to get us a steep discount. If we just paste the lyrics to Taylor Swift's cardigan on the screen for Mm -hmm. the entire episode, it it barely counts when it's just the words like that. Yeah, she gave it to us for a fiver. All right. Um, That sounds good. That's a that's a good, uh, good work on that third episode. Now for and this really just applies to the, the human side of it. Um, I want to get the international audience. So this is not in America. What country do you think is going to be best? And this is going to be in that language. So this is a foreign language, foreign setting uh, option. 
where and what language are we going to have? So it's it's going to be subtitles all the time, basically. Well, I feel like there's so, an so obvious I answer. To, like, talk, <laughs> talk, I want to talk through a Cap- couple <laughs> options. Uh, since we got the Montagues and the Capulets in Fair Verona, where we lay our scene, I think there's a, a possibility there, but I also don't want to be too on the nose. Yeah, no, because I think Verona is is the safe choice. But come with me on a journey, gentlemen, and let's set it not in Ireland, but in some weird little part of Ireland where they probably speak a different language. Or maybe Pictish? I was going to say, it it is English, but for American audiences, it's just hard enough to understand you're not sure. That's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So we you're thinking Wales. Exactly. You say, you took the words right out of our mouth, sir. I I mean, are they speaking Welsh in this version or are they speaking English <laughs> with the Welsh accent? Well, it's the, the, the thick Welsh accent. I mean, I mean, we can go either way or some people are doing either. Mm, right. I, that's I mean, my understanding of Wales is that there's a lot of bilingualism. I, I, I'll allow it. My understanding of Wales is not deep. Is it limited? (laughs) So if we wanted to do the safe option, we could set it in Wales. But hear me out. Okay. There might be life on Mars. What if we make the first Martian language TV show? I know what you're thinking. Martian isn't a language. Nobody knows it. Well, yes, they do. (laughs) I'd like to present to you my surprise guest, this Martian guy who sounds like a water bottle. Trying to be nice to the microphone and the listener, but there it is. I I love it. I didn't realize that uh, that the aliens and signs were from Mars, but that sound just really hit. Ah. <laughs> um. Okay. So ultimately, um, Joseph did have the most pitches picked. Ah. And that means I win the grand prize of ten thousand dollars. That was established, right? Ah, so close. And I want to know what, what did you guys enjoy? Like, which one of those did you enjoy the most? I have literally forgotten what my own were. <laughs> so I'm trying to pull up my sheet <laughs> one more time. <laughs> to look. It's just in, in and out. I had this ready and then it was gone and I didn't need it anymore. Obviously I want to follow the spinoff series that follows tiny Tim. <laughs> As he gets into the world of drugs and crime. <laughs> so Bob Cratchit MD's spinoff is titled what? Tim Possible. <laughs> that, yep. Yep. That's what I said. <laughs> and and that implies the, the gritty narrative you just laid out for us. Yes. I think that sounds great. As long as Krill Cratchit makes a lot of appearances he should be oh, in yeah. at least every other I, I mean at this point he's a co-lead over there right like he, he was yeah. sixth billing if that uh, in bob crash md and over there he's number two well and isn't chrome the one who gets his own superhero show too oh, that... uh i mean we just established they became a superhero didn't say he was good enough to get a show oh fair yeah. enough well we're killing off bob in season three sorry to... <laughs> and and his two daughters have to take take up the mantle one desperately yep. not wanting to do it because she wants to be a sous chef. The other one desperate to do it, but incapable. Yeah, and that gets its own spinoff called Sous Chef and Incapable Possible. <laughs> can, 
<laughs> you imagine if someone's nickname was just incapable. <laughs> That's what they were known as. <laughs> now I feel bad um, for that character that didn't exist until we started playing this game. <laughs> if you'd like to support incapable, subscribe to the Patreon. Um, guys, I really enjoyed the 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 pitches where it has to be like adapting some sort of pre-existing work. I think that's that's where the fun is, is mixing existing, hopefully public domain properties because, with, because we're going to actually do these <laughs> with things that um, I mean, the modern tropes and the modern genres and and all that sort of stuff. I mean, like putting Bob Cratchit into the hospital. What a move. <laughs> and then with, oh, you know, the, the stern Scrooge that's preventing him from, from giving all the service he wants to because Scrooge is mm-hmm. watching the books. <laughs> yeah. Do you notice both of our medical dramas had anxiety about being able to pay for the uh, medical expenses? <laughs> yes. Oddly, we're, we're, we're oddly, Americans in case you're wondering. Oddly, not a common theme in medical dramas. <laughs> that is not where they actually get the drama from. Huh, is whether or not the oh. patients are going to be able to pay for this after the operation. No, because, because once they walk out of the medical room, you know, the ro- the hospital room where they've been healed, there's no sense that their lives have been ruined by crippling debt that will hang over them for and, <laughs> and their children. Can you, I mean, someone has got to do some sort of assessment of house and be like, well, with all the tests that they ran, here's the kind <laughs> they of ran expenses. 17 different tests <laughs> to, to find the disease. <laughs> like they used the MRI four times for this patient. That is going to be. Um, and just, I mean, the families that are ruined as a result of the diagnostic process. Oh, and, and that's why it's called house and not home. <laughs> greatest, greatest medical system on earth. Nothing wrong here, folks. <laughs> All right. When are we going to get, is, is there going to be like a, a big shift to like the post-medical like insurance workplace dramas where it's about insurance people? I mean, are either trying to help or hinder people as they attempt to pay their medical bills. Uh, so our go to like, this is an entire genre of shows are your crime and your law and your medical, right? Those are your main ones. <laughs> Where those are pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty substantially. I don't, I don't recall any insurance ones ever yet, but that means there's untapped potential there. It's like all those boring scenes in The Incredibles. <laughs> those were great. Where he's exactly. an insurance adjuster and he hates his life. When, when you're not enjoying The Incredibles, that's that's the part <laughs> we want to make a series out of. <laughs> we want, we want a whole show focused on this part that made him so miserable. That he lied to his family for months. <laughs> and this is our hero. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us for a silly game. We do enjoy playing Thanks the silly games. Me. And I thought uh, you, you leaned perfectly into the improv side of this in ways that I was not expecting. But that's the nature of improv, right? <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it was it was much heavier on improv than our typical pitch meeting. I, and, and you know what? I think that that's a flaw in all our previous pitch meeting meetings. This needs to become a feature, not a bug. <laughs> that, Huzzah! That, that we go that route. Uh, as I said, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com. 
Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. Uh, you can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at Jadorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at his minute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. And you can also do- join the Dueling Genre Discord channel to have conversations about all of the Dueling Genre podcasts. Kevin, is there anything you would like to pl- plug? find me on facebook i have a sketch comedy group called darn sketch comedy look for us we love you (laughs) uh thank you again for listening we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story so long Before I do that, I'm going to grab my water bottle from the other side of the room. So if you could play hold music for me.